Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. This is a podcast where I chronicle my adventures writing a novel. There's just a quick little thought that I had. I was listening to... I downloaded a bunch of uh, podcast, uh, you know, writerly advice YouTubers. Just downloaded them as MP3s. There's this really good program called the 4K Video Downloader. It's so good I paid money for the full version. Because I love downloading shit like YouTube videos and just listening to them as little podcasts. Because I hate to just sit there and stare at my computer screen. But I'm walking on a beach right now. What better time to listen to that type of shit? But uh, the question, it was uh, Jenna Moresi, her name is. But I think I mentioned before that I, I really like her vlogs, even though I usually don't necessarily agree <laughs> with her. I have this bad feeling that when I read her books, I might not like them. But I like her as a person. It's just very clear she's writing a different type of book than what I'm trying to write, because a lot of her advice is weird to me. But it's just interesting, you know? I just like to hear people talk about the process of writing. That's the whole reason I'm making this podcast, because uh, I think it's nice to keep yourself in that mindset, you know? To hear someone else blab about it while you yourself are working on your shit. But one of the questions was uh, somebody asking about killing characters. The, literally the second I just walked off the beach and I saw people. Oh, people everywhere. I hate them so much. <laughs> So this question was about killing a character, and the person was like, how do I know I've done the right thing? You know, I feel bad after I kill a character. And Jenna was like, you're asking the wrong person, because I never feel bad. She plans out the character deaths during the outlining phase, and she's just, you know, they're there to die. That's what they were meant to do, so that's what they do. But I was thinking about all of the many ideas I have for stories, which is like, you know, a hundred easy. I have so many ideas, so many things in various stages of development. And off the top of my head, I can only think of one character in one of these stories who dies. And even that is not required, you know, I suspect when the day comes that I finally get there, that this character will in fact die. But even that's not like hard and fast. And it made me think that, uh, I mean, I really think that death is uh, cheapened in most fiction. It's really overblown, really overused. It rarely means anything. And it just suddenly occurred to me that, like, this just seems so weird in general. Like, if you're writing a story and a character in that story dies, or multiple characters die, if people dying is part of this, how much are you really thinking about an, an idiosyncratic, like, individualistic story. Like, how much of this is a story coming out of your mind? And how much of it is just a template? Like, I guess this is a little weird, kind of, I mean, just, just that it occurred to me how 
super rare that is to me. I love severe fiction. I love brutality of a sense, like not literal physical brutality, but brutality of philosophy. I like to present a strong, clear, possibly very unusual opinion. But for someone to die, you know, for someone to actually die, that is so big and so epic and so important. Like if that happens, then that has to be everything. That has to be what the whole story is about. I just thought of another story. Another idea that I had where it is about a guy dying. And yeah, like that is, that's the whole thing. The whole story hinges on that because that's so big. Like it's so overwhelming. It just takes over everything for someone to die. And especially for someone to kill someone else. I just feel like that's something you should look out for. Like if that's something that you just put into your stories without thinking about it too hard. Like okay, and then this guy dies and then life goes on and this, you know. Like, that shouldn't be, that just probably shouldn't happen, you know? Like, what is the situation of this story? What is the fucking environment? What is the world that you're describing? Why is someone dying? Why, you know? Is it because there's really a reason? Because this is really the story that's in your fucking heart? That this is really the story you want to tell? Or is it just because, oh, this is what stories do, you know, whatever, people die, tropey genre fiction, like, sure, whatever, this guy's gonna get killed now. Yeah, I don't know, it's just, it's, I don't have a, a very hard and fast opinion, a very, just, literally something that just occurred to me. But it's just like, how is it that I don't ever use that? How is it that it's so incredibly rare for that to be something that happens in anything that I write? when a lot of other writers just treat it not only casually, but like as a requirement. Well, like, oh, of course the character's gotta die. You can't write a story without a bunch of people dying in it, you know, or even one person or anyone dying. So I don't know, that's all I'm thinking right now is just, uh, if you're a writerly person, think about your deaths, think about your planned character deaths and really think it through, like, why is this happening? You know, like, what does this say about what I'm trying to do? Because to me, it just seems like it's such a hallmark of genericness. It just doesn't seem to me like something that would really spawn out of most people. If you're really writing from your perspective and your view and how you want a story to be that is like representative of you, is that really what's in you? Is that really what's inside you? Or is that just what people do? Well, it's just how stories are. I mean, in the case of, it's weird to psychoanalyze some person that I only know through random YouTube videos, but like in the case of this Jenna Moresi chick, one of the things she said that always really stood out to me as just utterly bad advice, just crazy. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? is she was given advice about how to write a villain, which already, the strike one, there shouldn't be a villain. Like, that's silly, <laughs> you know? What, are you writing books for eight-year-olds? That's just a dumb concept. But then she was like, 
she was opposed to the idea of delving into the psychology of the villain. She's like, I don't want to know about the villain. I don't need to know about the villain. I don't want to hear about their childhood. I don't want to hear about why they do what they do. I just want them to be a villain. And it's like, what are you fucking talking about? That is some of the craziest shit I've ever heard. To me, that's the whole point, man. <laughs> like, if you're not going to delve into the psychology of someone and why they do what they do and how they are who they are, then what are you doing? You know, having a generic person anywhere in the book is a waste of time. And especially someone who's supposed to be so important as the antagonist, that's the most important person to delve into. And I feel like maybe those things go together. Like if you've just got a generic big bad, oh, this is the bad guy. Let's not really give a shit about why they're the bad guy. They just are the bad guy. That lack of care seems like it would relate to like hey, and let's just kill somebody why not fuck it we got an evil person they're gonna kill somebody like it's just you know just fucking doubling down on a bad investment i'd say watch out for any of these behaviors you know watch out for generic villains watch out for deaths that are not I mean, if someone's gonna die, man, it needs to carry the weight of a thousand suns. It is a nuclear bomb. Don't just set it off, <laughs> you know? It's just a recipe for bad shit. Because I also really think that's a, a thing I've noticed a lot with character deaths, why they seem so cheap and why they seem so, you know, they just don't have the impact they're supposed to have is because once someone's dead, then it's kind of over, you know? the emotional side of things is over. There's no more mental, emotional trauma to unravel. It's just over. Like, you, you don't need to kill somebody, you know? If you want to hurt somebody, if you want someone to have a lot of... If you want someone to have a lot of shit they need to deal with, you can fuck them up big time. And again, I'm talking like emotional trauma. To me, that's all that's interesting. Like the physical side is just so boring and so shallow. Because even a physical affliction, if you cripple a character or something, it's still going to be the emotional, psychological repercussions that are going to make that a weighty event, that are going to really make that something that the character needs to overcome. The physical side is just, it's so cheap. It's so not what a book is good at. All right, that's enough uh, rambling for now. Let's listen to a 30 second song by Nina Gordon as a, a tiny palate cleanser. And we'll rejoin later in the week for my next fucking writerly thought. Okay, it's a couple of days later. I'm going through the terrifying woods again, but uh, the sun isn't quite all the way down. 
I can see without having to use the flashlight on my phone, so that's good. It's just like a deep, dark blue filter on everything. So that idea I was mentioning about trying to work on two stories at once, that's definitely not happening. Maybe at some point in my life that's still like a cool fantasy that I have. But I would really need to just dedicate myself so fully to writing. Like, I always leave the house with some podcasts to listen to while I walk and uh, then I have little ebooks on my phone. And lately I've had quite a few YouTube videos, just like dumb playthroughs of Resident Evil 2 and stuff. So I just like to have those mental outs, you know? Like I was saying how I don't want to push myself if I want to ease myself into work. But I wonder, like I wonder what would happen if I went super orthodox like a fucking monk. What if I just left the house with, I mean, I would still have music because music doesn't interfere. What if, what if I just left the house and it's like, this is all I'm doing all day. Is I have nothing to even entertain me except writing. It would be kind of cool, but I'm not at that point yet. That guy, uh, Mark Klepek that I mentioned, he had a great metaphor in one of his videos about trying to make changes in your life. That it's like if you try to make too drastic of a change and too big of a change too quickly, it's like trying to mount a big TV on your wall, but you don't have the brackets, you don't have the studs. You just got like a piece of Velcro, you know? And you try to mount this TV and it's just, I mean, what do you, what's gonna happen? Of course it's gonna just collapse. So you shouldn't feel too bad about yourself if you're uh, trying to make a change, but you haven't, it's too much too fast. You don't have the uh, groundwork laid. So yeah, not only did the writing two stories per day thing not really happen. Whoa, whoa, shit, fuck. Walking across a log, across some mud, almost fell in. But even the writing on my principal story has been real slow. And it's because it really hasn't been my main priority. I've still worked on it every day because I still think that's the most important, is just to not break the chain and just to make sure you do at least something every day. Man, it is getting dark fast in here. <laughs> but it's mainly this audiobook thing I was talking about that, uh, to recap briefly, I tried recording an audiobook of my last book, my book I wrote about the video game The Last of Us. I want to make YouTube videos out of it and stuff. I figure that'll kind of be something I never talked about at great length, but uh, my attempts to promote my own little self-published nonfiction book about a video game were not very fruitful. And this was kind of my last and kind of best idea. It was like if I do a series of YouTube videos, I feel like that's a much more likely thing for somebody to stumble upon. But recording an audiobook turned out to be really hard. It's just not, it doesn't really cross over with like what I'm doing right now. 
Fucking god damn it, that mouth clicking. Fucking stop it. It was always really, it just all came off really awkward and I didn't like it and I kept starting and stopping and restarting and it's just no good. So my little breakthrough finally happened when I found this beach here in BC that is the most isolated part of a city I've ever found in my whole life. You have to go past a train yard and it's this beach that only exists, you know, if the water is low. And there are processing plants on either side, so nobody is going to come along the beach on either of those ways, and it's just like, awesome. I've been there dozens of times, and only once where they're like a group of like stand-by-me fucking teenagers, <laughs> teens that were like coming down the train tracks. <laughs> it's the only time I ever saw anybody else there. Some people go to like the start of the beach, but nobody goes like 15 minutes down the shoreline like I would. And I found this one area that even when it's windy, it, oh, stop it. Stop it with the fucking clicks. Stop it. You know what? Fuck this, man. Fuck this. God damn it. Uh, I mean, you can probably tell my fucking brain is not in it right now. I'm fucking drifting and I hate that clicky sound in the back of my throat. I fucking hate it. It wants me to do it. It makes me so mad. I hate it. Which is something that has also been driving me nuts about trying to record this fucking audiobook is dealing with that. It's totally like my my tonsils or whatever. Whatever that thing is that hangs down on the back of your throat, whatever that's even called. It makes this clicky sound when it fucking just when it's got mucus on it and the fucking skin pulls away and it's just ah it makes me so mad like I wonder if you got that removed would the click noises not happen when you talked I mean they happen all over the mouth but anyway fuck this yeah I'm just ah I'm scatterbrained I'm angry <laughs> I'm not even saying anything important I'll get back to this tomorrow here's another 30 second song by Nina Gordon this was the year I fell apart This was the year I went to war with my heart This was a bad year for girls like me Who want love, who want to be free All right, it's a couple of more days later. So, what I was trying to say, down on the beach, relatively nice day down here on the beach, but what's been messing me up is I feel like my time on the West Coast is pretty much done. I'm ready to go. It's getting nice in the rest of Canada. And I've just had, man, Montreal just scratching at my brain, like, hey, you don't get very much time for it to be nice weather in Montreal. Montreal sure is cool. We should really go to Montreal this summer. But I've been a little trapped, you know, I trapped myself on the West Coast because I've been trying to record this audiobook. So, so yeah, I wrote this book, this nonfiction book about the video game The Last of Us. 
and I thought I would do an audiobook version, and I thought that would be no problem because I do podcasts and shit all the time, and I've done speeches and crap, and it's all, it's not a big problem. But recording an audiobook is way harder than I thought it would be. It's like a way different discipline than I expected, which, I mean, this must be why people at teleprompters are always so awkward. Like, even if you're a professional, famous-ass actor, you can't read text in a natural way. It's, like, hard to do. It's a whole different skill. So back when I was at my parents' house last winter, I tried, and uh, that was pretty good because it's a big empty house and no one's home all day. So I was at least by myself and had a nice recording environment. But I tried and it just wasn't working. Like, it just was so stilted and so awkward and I just hated the results and I'm like, ugh, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to have to stop. Then when I got out here to the West Coast, there's just nowhere to be by yourself. So I was thinking of maybe going to like those audio recording booths in the library. But that's kind of uncomfortable because even though it's supposedly a soundproof booth, it's not really. Like even just the, the volume I'm talking at right now is awkward because, you know, people can hear you. <laughs> and it's like I just felt observed and uncomfortable. And what I learned about this audiobook recording also is I just don't have the the cool, suave audio recording voice. Like, I just don't have it. It just comes off really stilted and really boring and unexpressive. And maybe that would work if I was, like, if I'd written a book about the Holocaust or something and it's supposed to be dour. But this book I wrote is, like, goofy. It has tons of dumb jokes and frequent use of all caps and like it's just a silly book. So I found that the only way to record it was kind of like this, like to just really be loud, expressive, to do a book yell. And then suddenly it started to come off okay and come off pretty, pretty good. But again, like you just can't do that when people are around. It's just I can't be comfortable, I can't relax. So I found this beach, and this beach, like I've said, it's literally the only place I've ever found in a city in my life. And I've lived in a lot of cities in my life. This is it. This is the only place where you can be by yourself, and you just, you don't have to be self-conscious. You don't have to have a thought in the back of your mind of like, I hope someone doesn't show up. So this is where I started recording that audiobook. It's like, this is cool, I like to come here anyway. It's a good excuse to be on the beach. And I'll just yell my book out. But, this is an extremely long book. And since I'm here in the West Coast over the winter, the weather is just, it's a nightmare. So for it to be a, a day that I could record outside, I mean, it would go weeks sometimes where I couldn't because the weather was so shitty. So progress was slow, but it's like, that's fine, I'll just pick away at it and whatever. So now that the weather's getting better and it's like, okay, I kind of... I, I also, like, I gotta make my plans ahead of time. That's the way for things to be cheap, to get cheap Airbnbs, to get cheap flights. If you can do this shit, you know, six or eight weeks ahead of time, 
You're laughing. Everything's cheap. Every city is cheap. Like I just, uh, I just booked my flight to Montreal. We'll get to that, but I was a little worried because my Airbnbs here in BC run out on a Saturday. June 1st is a Saturday or no, a Friday. But the weekends, you know, that's like when it's expensive to fly. And I'm like, ah, oh, darn, this sucks. Like, I'd much rather fly on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you know, some day where the prices are cheaper because nobody's trying to get anywhere in a big hurry. But even on that day, I found that if I leave Thursday night, late Thursday night, and fly overnight, that's awesome too, because flying, flying west is the best because you gain time. You can fly all day and only like two hours have passed. It's still early in the day when you get wherever you're going. It's awesome. Flying east is awful. You'll lose all the time. So I was having to pay more for a flight that showed up at an awkward time, even if I woke up at the crack of dawn. Just uncomfortable all around. But I found a nice cheap flight that leaves late at night on Thursday, fly overnight, and then get into Montreal at like 8 in the morning on Friday morning. And the flight's less than $300. I'm like, ah, oh, that's the best. That's, that works out all around. Because I don't mind staying up late. I love staying up late. Staying up is way easier than getting up early for me. I'll get into Montreal nice and early. Just awesome. But yeah, the reason I finally pulled the trigger and got the ticket to Montreal is because I was putting it off because I really wanted to try to finish recording this audiobook while I'm here on the West Coast. I really wanted to take advantage of this fucking awesome deserted beach. But the reason it had taken me so long to record stuff so far is mostly just the weather. The weather was terrible, but I'm like, all right, it's getting to be spring. Maybe I'll get a nice little run of good weather and, uh, you know, it won't take so long to get recordings done. But there's also a lot of other factors, like that wind that just went by. I finally found a little alcove down here that uh, protects against the wind pretty well, so that's good. But there's also times when there's a uh, big tanker ships docked that just make a horrible high-pitched buzzing that just travels for miles, so that ruins the recording. Some days the water is high because this tide doesn't follow any kind of sensible, you know, there's not a given time of day when the water's always high or the water's always low, which seems so weird to me. Something about the Pacific Ocean and an inlet like this, because on the East Coast, where I'm from, the Atlantic Ocean, it's quite predictable, that tide. But here it's just completely random, so some days the beach isn't even fucking here. And it's uh, the reason there's no people here is because you have to go past an active train line so the trains can fuck up shit. And these are trains from hell, they are so long, they're just like crazy long. It's like a half mile long train that doesn't just pass, you know, it stops to get filled up and sometimes it's just stopped for hours. And then there's even just stuff like, even if just airplanes go by, or boats are the bigger problem, boats are super loud, and then even the, the wake, the waves caused by the boats can really fuck up the recording, because you wouldn't believe how loud they can be, these waves crashing against the fucking shore. 
So this is just, it's, it might be the best place I've ever found to record out in nature, but it's still terrible. Like there's so many things that can get in the way. And a couple of days ago, I finally had like my moment of clarity. I finally kind of hit bottom because basically it had rained the day before. It was going to rain the next day. And even on that day, there was fucking a hailstorm that morning, like big pieces of hail just raining down that left this creepy chill in the air. But then the weather kind of cleared up. So I was like, fuck it, let's go down to the beach. Let's get some recording done. Because if I want to get this thing done without blowing the whole summer out here, I've really got to push. Even if the conditions are not optimal, even if things are kind of bad, I got to force it. I got to force some recording to get this fucking thing done. So I made my way out here and then uh, the, the water was really high and I had to climb along the edge of the rocks, which these rocks are dangerous. Like I was saying last episode, I fucking smashed my shin and it was bleeding everywhere. And that wound is still extremely wounded. It was really bad. And what normally is like a 15 minute walk took like 45 minutes or an hour. Which is like, it's fun in its own weird way. I found a, a great big log and I just did like squats while holding the giant log and I felt like I was in Rambo 4 or something. It was like awesome. It is like just a fun feeling to be in nature and to do exercise in nature and you just feel badass. But I finally made it to my little alcove where the wind doesn't affect things as much. And the water was still rising, so the, even this little little alcove was rapidly disappearing. And then after all of that, when I put my headphones in to start recording, because of the weather, because of the weird cold snap and the fucking hail and stuff, just something about the atmospheric conditions was fucking with my recorder and it kept making this like crackling buzzing sound happen on the right side of the recording. Who knows what that's all about? Who can explain it? I have no idea. I've never had that happen before. But it was happening that day and it's like, well, okay, I came all this way and I can't do anything anyway. I thought I'd just hang out there maybe for 40 minutes, an hour, just to see if things changed. But then I saw one of those giant trains coming and I've been trapped behind the train many times. And I really don't like climbing through the train even when it's parked because it can start at any time it just really freaks me out so I was like fuck this I gotta clamber up the hill and get to the other side real quick so I don't get pincered in by this train because today's a write-off anyway fuck it and there's very little room up by the train tracks because there's passenger trains that go by also so I couldn't walk along the tracks I had to stay to the side to avoid the train and that's like it's uncomfortable in its own way because you're not supposed to be there there's so many signs that say don't come down here you fucking insane person like this is a train line get out so to stay to the side so that the passenger trains wouldn't smack into me I ended up having to walk through this mud that was way deeper than I thought it was and I was just suddenly like glump glump into mud up to my shins and when I pulled my feet out, it yanked both my shoes off. <laughs> so then I had to pull my muddy shoes out of the mud 
and trudge along through the mud while the train went by and I don't know if the conductor saw me but I'm sure if he did he's like who is this guy what is what an idiot what is he doing why is he here I got mud all over my fucking winter mitts but it's getting warmer so I'm like fuck it throw those away threw away my socks because they were all muddy washed off my shoes as best as I could in like a a creek although they're still muddy as fuck I gotta throw them in a washing machine or something like <laughs> it's just like looking at them there there anyway the point is so many things got so fucked up and just ridiculous and I looked at the thing on my phone and it's at 50% red like I'm I'm 50% through reading through this book and it took me like six months to get through that 50% and I kept trying to tell myself like hey now that the weather's better if I go down there every day if I get X number of pages done per day, I can do this. I can do this in the next, you know, eight weeks that I've got booked in BC. But it was so much stress every day of just like, oh no, the weather's shitty. Like, how shitty is it? I even had days like where I came down here and set up an umbrella and recorded under a gentle rain just to get some pages done. And basically with all this shit, with getting fucking stuck in the mud with my recording failing just because of an atmospheric act of God with all the continuous problems this thing has anyway and realizing I'm only halfway done it's like this just isn't gonna happen I just need to accept that this is not gonna happen I should be happy that I'm halfway through I should be happy that I found some confidence in recording an audiobook I found my technique my technique is the book yell that trying to read in a quiet, serious way doesn't work for me, but if I just yell shit, then it's kind of funny and entertaining, and that's not so bad. I just gotta take those as wins, and I just gotta accept that this is not gonna happen. My moment of clarity. So that night I bought my plane ticket to Montreal, and I felt so excited. I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> you know? Hopefully... I can figure out something. I mean, it's still possible. I still have six more weeks out here. If I just get real lucky, if I just have a real good run, maybe I can finish recording this audiobook while I'm out here. But it's just not a priority anymore. Like, if the weather's bad, if the water is so high up that there's no shoreline, if there's all these inclement conditions, I'm just going to say, who gives a shit? Whatever. Let it go. And it was just a good feeling. It's a, that's one reason I like moving a lot. I like moving to new places. Because it's like a little reset, you know? I came out here in like October. I'm leaving in June. That's a, that's a fine little run, a fine little block of life. I started working on this novel. I'm pretty deep into it. Things are going well. The audiobook thing is just a bonus. It's just a bonus that I got anything of that done. And I'll just have to figure something out in Montreal or in Toronto or wherever I end up. I don't know how, I don't know where. But if it doesn't get done out here, that's just that's just how it's gonna have to be. It just that's it. I'm killing myself <laughs> for this thing that is just like so much can go wrong. It's just such a bad, bad thing to put my my overall kind of 
happiness in the hands of this situation that has got so many things that can go wrong. So yeah, that's a, that is that feeling of like changing things up and knowing when to let things go. Because then it's like, alright, I'm let... Because this is also why I've gotten very little done lately on the novel is because I'm so focused on this fucking audiobook. Like, forget about writing two stories at once. I was barely writing one story at once, you know? <laughs> and it's been going really slow because all my focus is on this goddamn audiobook. So it's like, yeah, just let the audiobook go. Who knows how long it'll take before I figure out what to do to finish it. Who gives a shit? Just let it go. And then along with that, it's like, all right, now that I got this plane ticket, I'm getting ready to leave. It's a nice uh, time to just pare things down a little bit. Like, I already live quite a minimalist life. All my shit fits in a book bag, but things still build up, you know? If not literal, then just sort of psychological. Like, psychologically, this audiobook was just, like, dragging me down. And it's like, oh, thank God, it feels so good to just not give a shit. To just, like, relegate that to side status and, like, whatever. Who cares, man? And physically, I've got like a bunch of books, and I'm like, all right, time to shift gears, gotta read these books, because I'm not gonna cart these books across the fucking country. If I couldn't be bothered to read them, then, you know, what the fuck, I'm not gonna just, not gonna just carry them around to still not read them. And while I was in this little spring cleaning feeling, part of it was also this podcast, where I'm like, yeah, okay, so I had the nice daily run for like 50 days, I did one every day. And I got everything off my chest that I had to get off my chest. And then I was like, well, I'll just switch it to weekly. But now it's also very evident, I think, that the spark is gone. I said what I had to say. I got a little snapshot of what it's like to just write a book every day for a couple of months. Whatever there was valuable to capture, I think I captured it. So I'm not going to stop this podcast, per se. I'm just going to go on no schedule. I'm just going to record if I have something I feel like recording. Could be once a week, could be once a month, could be never, who knows, like whatever. I'm just, again, putting it out of my mind. It's like, okay, I, I put in the time, I put in the energy. Like, that's one thing I'm really learning a lot, is it's kind of better not to half-ass stuff. It's kind of better just to not do it. Like, if I take the audiobook and put that aside, if I take this podcast to put that aside, I can take all that energy and really double down on the actual novel that I'm writing because it really has just turned into, like, a little trickle lately. Because for me, at least, there's just not enough energy. There's not enough room in my brain to do more than one thing really well. I can only really care about one thing, <laughs> you know? So that one thing is that novel. Everything else I'm just putting aside. Paring myself down, moving away, moving somewhere else. Yeah, no, it just feels good. Feels like a good decision. So thank you for coming along with me on this here journey. Like I said, this podcast won't stop, but it's going to become extremely intermittent. It's just going to be the whimcast now if i really have something like oh i should say that and i happen to have my recorder with me then i'll record it but as far as regular check-ins and stuff there's just no need it's more important i think to just actually 
work on the book just myself. <laughs> just come back to myself. So there we go. That's all the rambling. Now that I'm on the beach and that train went by, I should record a little book stuff while I'm here. But instead of like, oh man, I really got to get through like 50 screens on my phone. But if I could get through 100 screens, oh, that would be the best. It's like now it's just like, who cares? Who gives a shit? I'll just do some. Just whatever. It's probably not going to get done in time and that's fine. And for the little song, the song of the day, which is, I guess, the song of the week, which will soon become just the song of whenever. I found this playlist of uh, semi-obscure 90s videos, and I've just been working my way through it. And a lot of it is stuff that I never heard of before, and most of it I don't really like that much, but it's just nice because it's the 90s. I do like the alternative early to mid 90s. It's just a good feeling. It's a good vibe, a good time. So this is a band called Failure that I never knew back in the 90s. I can't remember. I found out about them about 10 years ago, but I don't remember how or from where. They have a new album that just came out that I haven't heard yet, but this song is called Stuck On You. The little music video came on the YouTube playlist and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that song, man. I fucking love this song. It's definitely a good anthem of, I've said a couple of times in this podcast how I really don't, I don't know, see it's one of these things with like just the, the basic idea of romance or whatever. That to me it was always like you're supposed to get like super into somebody and like super involved and like, like that's what it means to be romantically into somebody. But then as I get older, people are like, oh, but that's like, that's not real. It's not a real romance or not a real relationship. That's just infatuation. And I was like, okay, I mean, I don't really know what the fuck you're talking about, but all right, I guess I'll keep that in mind and see what I can do with it. And now as I get older, still, I'm like, I don't know that those people really know what they're talking about. I mean, whatever they're talking about is just not what I'm talking about. To just be in a stable, long-term, committed relationship. I mean, it's just like having a business partner. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to have, but that's not what I'm talking about. That's not being in love with somebody, you know? Like, like now I'm starting to feel like, like, okay, maybe it's not particularly sustainable to be super, super into somebody. But I still feel like that's what romance is. That's what being in love with someone is. Whatever these people are talking about, it just seems so plain and so boring and so blah. I don't want that. <laughs> you know, Whatever that is, I think you're hijacking my word. I don't think what you're talking about is a real romance. It's, it is. It's like fucking like just... It's just like... Uh, a low-key business proposition. Let us just unite our lives in a fucking boring, sustainable way. It's like, I don't, I don't think that seems appealing at all. I don't see the point of that. If that's what you call fucking romance, if that's what you call being in love with somebody, more power to you, but I don't think that's what that is called. I say, fuck that! So this song is way more representative of the way I feel about relationships and maybe it's not healthy 
Maybe it's not sustainable. Maybe it's fucking crazy. But that's the truth, I think. <laughs> that's the truth of a relationship. This is how it really feels, man. It might be painful and it might be crazy, but at least it's not boring. Love and romance is not the same as a domestic partnership. It just fucking ain't. So here's Stuck On You by Failure, and I will talk to you later. Time to fight your